0: Thanks for tuning in to episode 18 of the Digital Brand Envy podcast. My name is Michelle Caruana, and this episode is titled The Year of No. So as the year wraps up, planning for the coming year is at the top of my mind. While I am nowhere near yet done with 2019 and the impact that I want to make before January, I am allocating time for reflection and goal setting. Something that I began doing at the end of 2017 is choosing one single word of intention that would be the theme of my entire next year as it related to business at least, though sometimes of course it permeated into my personal life as well as the two are so often intertwined when you own a small business and even more so when you co-own it with your spouse as I do. This is actually going to be a three-part episode and this is part one. The reason that I'm breaking it up this way is because I really believe that had I not taken the steps that I did and in this order that I would not be in the position that I am in today which is one of more time and financial freedom, more joy and more stability in all areas of my life compared to when I started doing this in 2017. So as I said this is part 1 and in this episode I'm going to walk you through my thought process for that first year that I set a word of intention which started in 2018, though, again, I made the decision in 2017. In part two, I'm going to break down the same process for the second year that I chose a word of intention for, which was this past year, 2019. So as the episode title states, my word for 2018 was no. My word for this past year, 2019, was steady. But again, I'm going to talk much more about that next week, so just stay tuned. And then in part three, the final part of this episode, I'm going to break down my word of intention for this coming year, 2020, which is scale. I'm going to not only reveal why I chose these words, but how I use those words to really shape my entire year and how the word of intention led me to structure my day to day. I'm so excited for this three parter, and I hope that it sheds even more light on how sustainable businesses come to be and how you can learn from some of my lessons and mistakes and hopefully avoid them for yourself. All right, let's get into part one. You're listening to the Digital Brand Envy Podcast, where we believe creating an impactful customer journey is the biggest opportunity to grow any business. Sales funnel strategist Michelle Caruana will let you in behind the scenes of the campaigns and launches her team is working on while highlighting what's working and what's not to attract an audience and convert them into customers and raving fans so you can achieve your own envy-worthy brand. So before I talk about why and how I came up with the word of intention of no for 2018, I want to first paint a little picture of what 2016 and much of 2017 looked like for me. Now these episodes are going to be a little bit more personal and vulnerable than my normal, more strategic episodes, but please bear with me here. I wanna share some of the personal stuff with you so it really becomes clear how I was able to make some necessary changes in how I operated as a person and live my life that set my business up for success and set my family up for more stability and freedom like I mentioned in the intro. But there will be plenty of business strategy as well, I promise. All right, so my brick and mortar business, my indoor playground called Climbing Vines Cafe and Play, opened in very early 2016, and I had my second son in two years in November 2016. So now now I had two little ones under two running around and a business with eight employees at the time. And my husband, while always extremely supportive, traveled a lot, and we didn't have any family or childcare whatsoever within a 70-mile radius to give me a hand. To say I was feeling overwhelmed would be the understatement of the century. I was trying to figure out how to operate a profitable brick-and-mortar business, a seasonal and complicated one at that, and also trying to be a good wife and mother. Almost every single night throughout 2016 and 2017, I went to sleep at night feeling like I was failing. And the problem was I couldn't figure out why, honestly. My kids were happy and eating pretty healthily. I was breastfeeding and I was able to stay home with them and spend a lot of time with the boys, even though I worked all weekend typically when my husband was home. And business was good, even though it was stressful and even though it always felt like there was some sort of fire that needed to be put out or some sort of emergency that needed tending to. So why was I feeling this overwhelming sense of failure constantly? And how could I create a life for myself in which I ran a successful business and had a happy home life? What would need to change for me to be happy and feel like this business was an actual success? Well, first I had to think about the entire concept I mentioned of having everything seem okay on paper, like a business that was profitable, happy and healthy kids, and a husband who loved me, but actually feeling very grim inside. To me, that meant that my life had the potential of fulfilling me and being what I'd consider a success, but that my day-to-day tasks and responsibilities and how the business actually manifested itself in my life was draining to me, and it was draining all the potential joy that being a business owner can potentially bring. At first, I was wanting to blame everything around me. I wanted to blame the customers who were flooding my inbox for being needy. I wanted to blame my children for being in difficult spaces, you know, potty training, teething, tantrums, all the stuff that comes with having an infant and a toddler. I wanted to blame my husband for traveling so much and not being more active in our business. However, it was me who was deciding how I spent my days. Of course, the children had needs that they couldn't control, but it was me and me alone who decided which business tasks I would be responsible for and Therefore, which tasks would fill my time and structure my day-to-day life? So this was when I really decided to take a good hard look at my tasks and my team and what was really responsible for draining the joy from my life and replacing it with overwhelm. But before I get into the specifics, I want to just reiterate here. I was not able to really begin making any sort of significant change in my life or my business until I accepted that I was the problem. It was a hard pill to swallow for sure, but I was the problem. I was a bottleneck in my business, and that was creating a ripple effect that affected my mental health and my happiness and the happiness of those around me that I love most. Now I could have felt really defeated when I realized this, and I think I did for a few days, but then I heard Brooke Castillo say something, which others have surely said in one of her podcast episodes that changed my life forever and I It really empowered me to take action and make a real change. She said, here's the great news. If you are the problem in your business, that means you are also the solution. If you are creating all of the problems in your life or your business, then you single-handedly have the power to create the solutions and solve those problems. It was like a light bulb went off and I was just so empowered. Now that I knew that I was both the problem and the solution, I finally set to work. The first thing I did was realize that there were two overarching problems in both my life and business that were affecting every decision that I made and therefore dictated how I set up my tasks and day-to-day life, which I've mentioned. The first was that I was a control freak. I was terrified of delegating tasks to my team and was therefore overwhelming myself with mundane tasks that could have and should have been done by someone else on my team. The second issue was that I was a people pleaser and I was so sure that if I bent over backwards for my customers and showed them how dedicated I was to serving my community by saying yes to every single request and opportunity, that I would be repaid by them with gratitude in the form of loyalty and referrals, etc. Now, I'm not going to get too cynical here, but let me just say one thing. Being a pushover and saying yes constantly and trying to appease every customer is the fastest way to drive yourself and your business straight into the ground. You've already heard me repeat the phrase that if you try to please everyone, you'll end up pleasing no one. And while that's definitely relevant here, that's not quite what I'm referring to. If you try to honor every request and let customers run your business for you, they will continue to push and push and take and take until you are left with nothing. They don't have the -the behind-the-scenes knowledge that you do, and they don't understand your expenses and why you make the decisions that you do, but guess who does? You. All right, so let's get into the specifics now. I knew that I was doing way too much in my business and I knew that I was giving in way too much, often to the detriment of my business and my health. So as I was listening to some personal development podcasts, I came across this concept of setting a yearly word of intention and letting that word shape my days, weeks, and months for the entire year, all with the goal of making a big change through this series of small steps all year long. So it was right before the holiday season of 2017 that I decided 2018 would be the year I made a big change in both my personal life and business life. So now was the time that I had to actually choose a word of intention. Some examples I was coming across were faith, strength, balance, presence, things like that but none of those really spoke to me or what I needed at that point. Then I had the idea to make my word of the year, no. And it was like everything clicked and I was like, wow, that's actually exactly what I need. 2018 needs to be the year where I move as much off my plate as I can and delegate to my very willing and capable team. And it would be the year where I said no to people who are trying to take and take and take from my business and give nothing back in return. I would finally make decisions based on numbers and not based on emotions or personal relationships. And if something didn't make sense from a business standpoint, the answer would be a resounding no. Rachel Hollis always says that if something is not a hell yes, then it has to be a hell no. And that was something I'd come to repeat myself all year. I actually ordered a keychain with the word no engraved on it because I hold my keys in my hand a lot. Not so much now because I got a different car, but at the time I held my car keys all the time. And whenever I needed a little bit of a reminder, I would look down at my keychain that had the word no engraved on it and it would bring me back to reality and make me rethink whatever decision that I was struggling with and really ask myself if it was a hell yes and if it wasn't, I said no. So every time someone asked me to partner or give my time or every time asked someone if they could pick my brain, if it took me away from my more important tasks or my family and it didn't make sense and feel like that hell yes to me, I would pass and let me just tell you while it was very hard at first to recover from my control freak and people pleasing ways it felt so amazing once I got the hang of it I finally started to realize which tasks actually moved the needle in my business and which had to be cut I had more time and energy for my family and I no longer went to bed feeling like a failure And that was because I was spending my time, energy, and heart on those things and the people that mattered to me. All right, so let's get specific here. Let's start with four examples of things I stopped doing in 2018 in that particular brick and mortar business. And even though I started this process with my brick and mortar business in mind, the concepts certainly also paved the way for my success in my other businesses as well. And in fact, with all the time that I was able to save by saying no in my brick and mortar, I was able to actually start my online businesses. So there you go. Actual proof that this year of no truly set me up for future success. All right, so the first thing I stopped doing in 2018 was getting upset if we got negative feedback. So first, I'm not perfect in this area especially. I have made some major mistakes in dealing with online reviews and criticism that still haunt me to this day. My temper is hot, and I often take reviews very personally because I care so deeply about my business and think of it often as an extension of myself or kind of like a third child. It was easy to feel defeated when someone had something negative to say, especially in the beginning, in that 2016-2017 era, because all of the opening stress was fresh, and I was still learning about my strengths and weaknesses as a business owner and when and where I should ask for help. Now I try to delegate as much customer service as I can. Not because I don't love serving my customers, but because other staff members are less emotionally invested and can be more objective and therefore more effective in handling issues that arise. Questions and complaints can really drain me emotionally and when I am feeling drained, I am not left with energy or passion to innovate and continue to improve. It would be unfair to the customers who know and love us to give up or quit or stop innovating just because of a few negative reviews. So I kept pushing on for them. And I always remember now that the people who bite the hardest online are often dealing with wounds themselves. So I try to worry about them and, or I try to worry for them and not necessarily about them. And I just try to keep in mind that everyone is fighting their own battle. My advice for this topic is to be kind above all else, and your ideal customers will continue finding you. Let the negative criticism roll off your back as much as you can, and remember that when someone else has something to say about you, has much more to say about them and less to say about you or your business. No, not every complaint against your business is a personal attack against you. So again, I'm just going to repeat that one more time. What someone else has to say about your business has much more to say about them and less to say about you. So just remember that next time you're feeling the negativity or criticism from either customers or even friends and family members. All right, The second thing I stopped doing in 2018 in the year of no is free consultations. I no longer did free or even paid one-on-one consultations. I was getting several can i pick your brain calls and emails every single day and now I decline them all. In the past I did do several free and paid consultations. However, I noticed that everybody had the exact same questions. They were struggling in the same areas and I was giving them the exact same answers. So, I took a step back and I said, I do not want to see another one of these businesses open and close, but I don't have the time to walk each person through the process and they don't have the money to pay me $2,400 for 12 hours of consulting at $200 an hour to walk them through that process. So what I did instead was create Play Cafe Academy, which hosts about 12 hours of information in the course only at a fraction of the price. I now instead suggest that people save time and money and learn from my free blog content or invest in my paid program. And now my students are actually able to achieve success in less time and for much less money as a result, which I'm so proud of. And again, this was really, this really came to be from that year of no. So just keep that in mind. The third thing I stopped doing is stalking the weather. Now, this is probably going to seem really random to some people. But if you recall, Climbing Vines Cafe and Play first opened to the public in February of 2016. Here in upstate New York, we typically don't begin experiencing outdoor weather, like where you can actually play outside, until May. So at first, we were slammed for open play. We spent three full months in a state of at capacity. However, when May rolled around, we began to realize just how seasonal open play business could be, and our bottom line certainly felt it. I vividly remember waking up each morning and checking the weather and pretty much knowing what would we. we, what we would be able to do in sales that day, depending solely on the forecast. And if you have ever operated a business based on these tumultuous forecasts, you know exactly why I do not recommend it. Because of our size and guest capacity, I knew we could not remain sustainable as a business if we put all of our efforts into open play, so I began focusing more on keeping our birthday calendar booked, which led to a major increase in profits. We also incorporated other revenue streams into our nicer weather months, like drop-off day camps and events that guests must pre-register in advance for, so we're able to lock in our revenue regardless of the weather. This took time and research into what type of programs our community needed, but after three years of implementation, we can finally sail through our slow open play season without stalking the weather forecast every single day, and I'm able to have a lot more financial and time freedom as a result. This was met with a lot of criticism because people wanted more open play hours, but I'm so glad I did not give in to the naysayers because I knew, again, that open play was not going to pay our bills and keep us afloat. So I stuck to my guns and focused on parties and said no if people asked for more open play hours. I, of course, wasn't rude about it, but instead tried to come from a place of education and explained why we needed to focus on parties. People who didn't understand simply chose other businesses to patronize, and that was hard at the time, but it was honestly the best thing for my business because it opened up space for more ideal customers that would share our values and help us thrive. All right, the fourth and last thing I stopped doing in 2018 was worrying about competition. For a year or so after we opened, I could barely go one day without checking the websites and social media accounts of my local competitors. And outside of that, I was also constantly looking over my shoulder, hoping and praying that no one would copy my business idea and steal all of my success and all of my customers. After two direct copycats opened within the first few years, it turns out that I was right about one thing. I was correct in thinking that when someone finds success doing something, others will quickly recognize that and attempt to emulate it as best they can to unlock that same success for themselves. However, I was definitely wrong in thinking that these copycats would have an impact on my own business. Both businesses I'm referring to, instead of creating their own original concept and distinguishing factors, copied ours almost exactly, and as a result, one closed within a year, and the other is also showing signs of a struggle. This is simply because these facilities made the common mistake of failing to stand out against their current competition, which... I discuss in more detail on my blog for my Play Cafe Academy and on my YouTube channel there. Not only do I not check on my competition more than maybe once monthly, because yeah, I still do check that we are serving our community based on the gaps in service that they currently face, but I do not blink when a new indoor playground announces its local opening. We've actually had eight indoor playgrounds open just in the last 12 months. This is because we place so much of a priority on serving our customers the absolute best they can be served, which has proven very difficult for any copycat to reverse engineer. We simply work hard every single day at staying true to our values and priorities, keeping our space clean and in tip-top shape, and continue serving our clients and fostering the relationships we have with them as best we can. We have still not yet been impacted by the increasing number of indoor playgrounds in our area and have actually grown with each new competitor. What I love most about competition is that it pushes me to be the best I can be and make sure that my business is the best that it can be for my customers as well. Friendly competition encourages innovation and constant improvement at our facility. Not worrying about competition and worrying about pleasing every single person has freed up so much time and helps prevent that feeling of panic or failure from overcoming me once again. All right, now let's tackle the delegation bit now that I had let go with some of my people-pleasing ways and talk about how I started to say no to tasks that were not needing to be accomplished personally by me because let me tell you, the more I work with small business owners, the more I realize just how common this mistake really is. And this mistake is actually usually born from good intentions. The business owner wants everything to be done exactly the right way. However, a major lie that we tell ourselves as business owners is that we are the only people who can accomplish these tasks, or at least accomplish them as good as we expect them to be done. Not only is it untrue, because others can almost always do these tasks just as well as us, but they can actually often do them better. This was another hard pill to swallow for me as a business owner and recovering control freak, but it really could not be more true, and I'm seeing that more and more as I put it into practice. Other employees have different experiences and different perspectives than us and can often offer fresh insight into our processes and workflows that not only improve them and make them more efficient, but that actually make the business run better overall and improve profits. Because like most business owners, I was well-meaning. I wanted my birthday party clients to be honored and taken care of, and I was convinced that I was the only person who would be able to deliver stellar customer service up to my standards. However, here's the magical thing. After I surrendered and gave up these tasks and let weekends go on without me being on site, everyone figured it out and everything got done without me. Luckily, I had been careful to take notes and document what needed to be done and ordered, and all of the parties continued going off weekend after weekend without a hitch. Now, I have to be honest for a second here. I should have been really elated and relieved, but in that moment, I was actually a little bit bummed. My business didn't need me as much as I had previously thought and maybe even hoped. My skills weren't as special as I had assumed, and other people on my team were able to accomplish these tasks even better than I was able to. But after I got over the initial disappointment, I started surrendering a bit more and delegating more and more tasks, because I did have a newborn at this point after all, and monitoring the effects on my business. And honestly, I was amazed. Everything was running smoothly, and if anyone had any questions, they were answered by our supervisor, and I was able to spend more time being present with my two young sons, completing only the tasks that I could do from home during nap time or after bedtime. I started becoming more addicted to this freedom that saying no and delegation gave me and eventually made a few more hires and offloaded even more off my task list. I was finally free to do what I did best, which in my case was marketing and innovating new revenue streams. And the best part is I was able to do it with a mind that wasn't cluttered with other tasks and without making sure everyone was happy all the time. So I was much more creative and accomplished much more in these categories than I had ever been able to otherwise. And not only did I enjoy my day-to-day better and start feeling much less overwhelmed because I was finally operating in my genius zone, which to me means working on only things that I enjoyed and am good at, but our profits actually increased. Now, when I began delegating more, I fully expected our profits to decrease for a bit since our payroll hours skyrocketed, but... I was actually okay with that because my priority at the time was my new baby who was born with hip dysplasia and required daily doctor's appointments. However, the opposite turned out to be true, and that really surprised me. My team was filling all of their hours with work instead of kind of sitting around on social media, which does realistically happen if there are no customers to serve and nothing to fill their time. And since I was more creative and had time to innovate, our revenue went up dramatically much more than the increase in payroll expenditure at least. And while all of this was happening, I was working only about 10 hours per week compared to my previous 40 to 50 hours. Unfortunately, most business owners never truly snap out of this trap and they become burned out, continuing to trade their time for dollars. Therefore, their business will always be limited by their ability to work. And when they stop, so does their business and revenue like myself, they probably get a lot of comments like, when do you sleep or how do you do it? And my answer now is that I say no way more than I say yes, and that I have an incredible team behind me who make it all possible. So I hope that helped shed some light on why 2018 had to be my year of no, and also how I was able to make that happen. Even though I chose a different word of intention for 2019 and 2020, the idea is that once you spend a year focusing on a specific area, then you can then make that change permanent and no longer need to work or focus on it in order to continue living it. So today, as I sit here and record this episode, I'm reminded that I only have time to build my brand and run multiple businesses and make a positive impact on other small business owners, all while being a present wife and mother. Because I stood up, took personal responsibility for how my life was going, and made a conscious change. And again, it didn't come easily. It took an entire year to get it right. Now, I do certainly still struggle at at times. I am nowhere near perfect. For example, this past year, I had an opportunity to run for town council. And I have to say my ego really wanted to do it. And I even actually interviewed for the position and my husband kind of, you know, he supported me, but he kind of also said, you know, Michelle, this is going to take hours and hours and hours a week. Like not only, you know, do you have time for this, but is it going to put a strain on you? Are you going to enjoy the work? And you know, my ego, I really let it take over. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Like how cool would it be to work in town government? And you know what? i ended up getting passed over for the opportunity and i am so freaking thankful for that because the more i realized it and the closer we got to election day i realized just how much time it would have sucked from my family from my businesses and it would have definitely taken away from things that make me happier and should be more of a priority in my life. So I still slip up. I still you know, kind of say yes to things sometimes that I shouldn't just for my ego or for whatever reason. But now I at least have the tools that I need to make better decisions on tasks or projects to take on and when I should say yes and when I should say no and when I should take a task on myself or whether I should delegate it. So I'm still working on it, but I am so much better than I used to be. Now, I was just listening to a podcast episode the other day with Marie Forleo, and she basically gave us another tool to make decisions based on whether you should say yes to something or say no to something. And her advice, and I'm going to paraphrase, but her advice was basically like, when you think about making a decision, when you think about saying yes to something, what does your body physically do? Do you hunch over? Do you get a sense of dread? Do you start feeling overwhelmed? Or does your chest open and do you feel expansive and excited? You kind of have to pay attention to that visceral reaction that you get when you think about saying yes to that decision. And if you start feeling dread or overwhelm, or your body actually contracts, that is a really good indicator that you should say no to that partnership or that speaking engagement or whatever the case may be. And I have begun incorporating that into my toolkit and figuring out how I can listen to my body better and my mind better. And it's actually even more improved my decision-making ability and when I say yes and when I say no. All right, so that's gonna wrap up part one. And I am so excited to share with you next week how I used all of this new time heading into the current year, 2019, to further improve my life and business. As a reminder, my word for 2019 was steady, which we are going to really dive into next week. I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening and please remember to subscribe to the podcast. It helps so much. I put out a new episode every single week and if you enjoyed this or any episode, please leave a review. I love reading them. It really helps so much. I can't thank you enough. Have a great day.